The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. In preparing for this interview, I was shocked to learn that preterm birth complications are the leading cause of death in children under the age of five years of age. Today on MediTalk, we speak with Dr. Gannon about preterm births and current research being conducted in Perth that has the potential to save many lives around the world. Dr. Gannon is a general obstetrician and gynaecologist in both private and public practice, and he is also the head of department of obstetrics and gynaecology at St. John of God Hospital in Subiaco. So what is defined as a preterm birth? So a preterm birth is any birth that occurs prior to 37 completed weeks. And so there's, we're learning more and more about the benefits of leaving babies inside perhaps as long as 39 weeks. And there's no question that, um, that it's still a reasonable number of babies born around 36 weeks do need to be admitted to the special care nursery. Um, but what we're really interested in is preventing severe prematurity. That's where the greatest harm occurs. How common are preterm births in Australia and globally? So the preterm birth rate in Australia is around 9%. So nearly one in 10 babies are born uh, preterm and the vast majority of those babies thrive. The rate uh, varies uh, greatly around the world. In most developed countries, it's less than 10%. Uh, the richest country in the world, the United States, has a problem with preterm birth with a rate mm. closer to 13%. Uh, and uh, but, uh, but to one extent or another, prematurity uh, has a direct relationship with... Um, uh, with wealth and social class. Um, so what we're interested in is ways that we can overcome those, uh, um, well, certainly overcome those gaps in knowledge, but where we do know what causes preterm birth, try and uh, reduce the risk and reduce that, the health inequity that it creates. And is the trend increasing or decreasing? So we've seen an increase in preterm births in Australia in recent years. Again, hard to understand exactly why that might be the case. Mm. Uh, there's no question that there's a higher rate of preterm birth in IVF pregnancies, um, and that's uh, a uh, we've, we have a higher rate of assisted uh, reproductive reproduction births here at St John of God Subiaco Hospital. Again, we're interested in mm. in exactly what causes preterm birth because uh, we know uh, if we reduce the rate of prematurity, we reduce the rate of harm. And so could it be linked to um, the fact that more people have access or might be having access to IVF and that could be increasing the fact that there's more preterm births? Or? Well, certainly that's one, one factor. Well, that that, that yeah. is one factor. Um, uh, one you know, very easily and uh, preventable association with preterm birth is cigarette smoking. Is it? Um, yeah. Now, we've had, we've had fabulous success in reducing the rate of smoking amongst adult Australians, and mm. we've had a great success in reducing the rate of smoking um, uh, amongst uh, pregnant women, um, but we need to do better because it's mm. one, again, one very easily preventable um, area. It's, it's one thing that we can, it's one thing we can fix Another good simply. reason to stop smoking, oh, if well, you're smoking. Yeah, well, there's any number of reasons why yes, women should stop, stop smoking. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, but no, this is one key area Absolutely. Uh, where um, non-smokers have um, um, safer and healthier pregnancies. And then what are the developmental differences between a full-term baby and a baby born prematurely? 
Well, babies are constantly developing, uh, and on on a on a on a different but related topic. We, mm. we, we've learned so much in recent years about the development babies have, um, uh, even between thirty seven and and thirty eight weeks, uh, leading to the introduction of a new term, um, um, early term prematurity, which you know, is a term that is confusing and doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, but there's no question at all that there are certain body symptoms that uh, that continue to um, develop. Mm. Uh, so there is, uh, while we expect the overwhelming majority of babies born, let's say after 34 weeks to survive, mm. uh, those babies are at high risk of uh, morbidity in in less well-developed uh, body systems like their lungs. Uh, they're more likely to get jaundice. They're more vulnerable to um, infection. They're more vulnerable to low temperatures, to low blood sugar levels. So a lot of those babies need the care of our subspecialist neonatal paediatricians here at St John of God Subiaco Hospital. Uh, but what we're really aiming to do is to reduce the rate of severe prematurity. So those babies that are born um, between the cusp of viability, uh, mm -hmm. around 24 weeks, uh, all the way through to 34 weeks. That's that's the that's the group where the um, any intervention to reduce the rate of prematurity is likely to have the greatest impact. And at that when the baby is that premature, is that when they haven't got the ability to breathe on their own? They would need assistance? So different babies need different amounts of assistance. And, for mm. example, some babies will be able to breathe on their own, but they will need a higher fraction of oxygen to, uh, to, to breathe in because their lungs are so immature. Mm. Uh, the real key to, to preterm birth prevention is the harm it causes to vulnerable um, parts of the body. Mm. Um, um, and... You know, one of the reasons why it's so important to reduce the risk of, risk of preterm birth it is that it remains the, the, the top cause of mortality in, in, in babies, infants and children, and it's the number one cause of disability. So, oh, really? so if there are measures to reduce the rate of severe prematurity, we, re we would expect to reduce the rate of uh, lesser problems like, mm. like, like learning difficulty, um, problems with, with reading and spatial awareness um, through to more s serious um, uh, problems like cerebral palsy. So preterm birth is the uh, the number one cause of, of disability in children. So any measure that reduces the rate of preterm birth, specifically important. a measure that reduces the rate of severe prematurity, will result in, um, in a reduction in the incidence of cerebral palsy. Wow. And then what women then are more at risk of having a preterm birth? So we've already talked about about smoking, yes, um, and there are certain um, uh, uh, health problems which are associated with a higher risk of uh, preterm birth. Now, when we talk about preterm birth, most people think about spontaneous preterm labour, mm. and the things which cause that are different to the things which cause an obstetrician to say we need to electively deliver a baby preterm. Mm. So, for example, we, uh, from time to time, an obstetrician will identify a case of severe preeclampsia. Mm -hmm. patient might have a growth-restricted baby, they might have dangerously high blood pressure, they might be having other complications, and the doctor will electively deliver that baby, perhaps long before it's mature. Mm. But what we're most interested in is, is overcoming um, idiopathic or unexplained spontaneous preterm labour um, and a related condition where women uh, rupture their membranes early. Um, mm. th those, th they, they make up the majority of preterm births. 
Um, the biggest problem we've got is that we're not very good at identifying risk in first-time mums. Um, so that the, the, the most compelling statistical uh, risk factor for preterm birth is previous preterm births. So obviously that's utterly hopeless for women in their first pregnancy. Mm. Um, uh, what we're, we are, we do pay extra close attention to women who have had previous surgery, gynecological surgery, so in particular surgery on the cervix. So we know that a proportion of women that have had loop biopsies for, for to remove precancerous cells on their cervix um, um, are at higher risk of preterm birth due to having a weak cervix. What uh, about I'm, a family history? So if they're if they were born or their mum had other children that were born preterm, does that put you – is it something that would run in a family? So that, so that is definitely a risk factor. So not only personal history um, mm. but, and personal history as, a, as an adult woman but personal history as a child mm. uh, and certainly family history is something that, um, uh, that obstetricians, midwives, GPs take into account in, in, in the care of patients uh, like this. Um, uh, what we do know about um, prematurity preterm labour is mm. that there's not one single factor. There's no single silver bullet that will overcome all of it. Um, but and if there was, you'd probably have a solution by now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, so there are some things that we know does work, um, but this is a relatively new um, um, area of... Uh, um, of, of detailed research, and there's a lot of work going on um, in Perth. Uh, you know, and I'm proud to say that Western Australia is a leader in preterm birth prevention. And then, what is the link between vaginal bacteria and and the link to preterm birth that I've been reading about and reading about the study that's that's happening now in Perth? But what's that link? How how is it even linked? Mm. Well, it's a link that needs to be further explored. But mm. um, but we've known for a long time that there are certain um, um, there are certain types of bacteria if found in, in the vagina that are associated with a high risk of preterm birth. So, so for example, women who acquire chlamydial infection are at high risk of preterm birth. Uh, women with a, another condition called bacterial vaginosis, for reasons we don't fully understand, are at high risk of preterm birth. Uh, so we've known for a long time that, that um, of the concept of 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 good bacteria and bad bacteria, and that's a concept that's increasingly familiar to, to most Australians. Um, the, the study you refer to mm. is looking at whether or not a certain um, group of bacteria are associated with preterm birth, uh, and perhaps more importantly, does antibiotic treatment to eliminate those bacteria reduce the rate of preterm birth, or does the use of a certain probiotic also reduce the rate of preterm birth? Mm. Uh, that's uh, that is at the crux of the preterm birth prevention study um, mm. that women in Western Australia are now being recruited uh, to be part of. And would it be safe to be given the doses of antibiotics and the probiotics during pregnancy? So certainly I'm actively recruiting uh, my patients or, yes. or, or commending the study to them and when yeah. I do so I reassure them as to the absolute safety of the of the, of the the treatment protocols. So this mm. study's been approved by the Ethics Committee at the hospital and the yes. University of Western Australia. Um, the, the group of women in the uh, treatment arm will be offered prescription of a long-established 
antibiotic um, should they test positive. So that's only a minority of women. Mm. Um, and they'll also be given a, a novel probiotic. So theoretically, it's possible to have an allergic reaction to that antibiotic, but it's an antibiotic called clindamycin that's been around for a long time and is not commonly associated with allergies. Mm. It's not a penicillin. It's not related to erythromycin. So it's not a common an antibiotic mm. to have um, an allergic reaction to. And it's and been going on for a while, the study? Yeah, so we've been recruiting patients for the study uh, at King Edward Memorial Hospital for uh, nearly two years, and we've been recruiting patients at St John and God Subiaco Hospital for nearly a year now. Mm -hmm. um, um, so that the, the women in the treatment arm don't have a great deal to be afraid of, and the women in the control arm, so, that, so they're women who, um, uh, where we just compare what happens to, to women who aren't offered um, treatment. Um, mm. they've, uh, they've got nothing to be concerned about apart yeah. from the fact that someone's going to look at their notes in de-identified fashion. So so I've been involved in a number of trials on pregnant women in the past. I've been very mm. conscious of how onerous, uh, for example, vaccine trials are. Mm. Uh, but this trial is very simple and I've been very happy to commend it uh, to my patients and mm. uh, and so do many of my colleagues. And so when does um, when are you hoping to sort of have closure to the study and, and results? Uh, so we're, hope, we're, we're hoping for a study cohort for a number of many thousand women. So it's, mm. it's, it, we've probably got at least a, a year or two to go in terms of recruiting that number of women. Uh, they're mainly being recruited from from King Edward and from St John of God Subiaco Hospital. Uh, and then the um, yeah you know, the study protocols uh, that yeah the results there's 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 interim analyses of the of the data to make sure that it's um, safe because mm. it's um, it's um, you know, it's unethical to expose patients to any risk. It's equally unethical to um, uh, to continue a study if we can prove, even on an interim analysis, that, that what we're doing works. Mm. Um, so we know that that human beings benefit from participation in clinical trials. Um, uh, it's not just the feeling that they're contributing to their community. That's not just the feeling that they're contributing to medical science, uh, but there's also a well-recognised phenomenon called the Hawthorne effect where people enrolled in clinical trials actually do better. So that's why the control group is is um It's um, still going to benefit. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Um, but, we, but we have a very strong suspicion that we're on to a, a winner here um, wow. and, uh, and that we're going to build on the success that we've already had in Western Australia in reducing the rate of preterm birth. I mean, the trial design is uh, very elegant in its, uh, in its uh, simplicity and, uh, and it could be a game changer. Now, wow. Now, we have to prove that. Yes, of course. Uh, but um, And the, yeah, the study protocols in terms of confidentiality and randomisation yes. are... are um, yeah, I performed at, at, at a serious level. But, yeah. um, but, but those of us involved in the study are very excited at its potential mm. uh, and we see this as, as, as the next step in reducing the rate of preterm birth in Western Australia, something that's now been copied in other states in Australia. Wow. And then how would a woman get involved if they read about the study, they listen to this podcast and they think, oh, I'd, you know, I could be at risk or this, this study interests me. Mm. How would they find out a bit more about it? I'll, I'll obviously have links, but how would they get involved? Um, very simply, ask your obstetrician. So, okay. um, so most of the obstetricians delivering yeah. babies at St John of God Subiaco Hospital are enrolling patients um, in the trial. Um, ask your obstetrician about it, um, uh, and if they're not enrolling patients in the trial, ask them why they're not. Uh, this is a uh, this is a, a very very good study. Um, 
um, my uh, colleague, friend, boss, um, 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 senior Australian of the year, Professor John Newnham, is the the lead investigator. And when he came to me seeking my support for this trial two years ago, uh, indeed, when he came to me seeking support for the WA Preterm Birth Prevention Initiative five years ago, I was more than happy uh, mm. to participate. Because it's uh, such an important. This, this, it's this, such this, important research, doesn't it? It has to happen. Yeah, this, I mean, this, this, this is so important. It, it, it's been the focus of research at the Women's and Infants Research Foundation um, uh, for the past decade. Um, um, anyone who has had personal experience from having a baby mm. you know, at the cusp of viability, at 24, 26 weeks, not knowing whether that baby's going to survive, or anyone who's had a baby around around mm. 27 or 28 weeks where every day mm. uh, reduces, every day the baby stays inside, reduces the likelihood of cerebral palsy, mm. or even someone who's had the, in some ways, minor discomfort of having a baby in the nursery at 36 or 37 weeks, um, mm. they, they will know how afraid the they were yeah. and, and the, the heartache that comes from that. Yeah, yeah And so, so anything that we can do to, uh, to, to, to reduce um, that heartache in parents, let alone long-term injury um, mm. to the baby and their long-term potential uh, should be pursued. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. This is the thing about interventions on pregnant women. You can make a lifetime of difference. And if you can prevent a case of, of cerebral palsy, if you can prevent a case of severe disability, if you can mm. prevent someone from losing their, their, baby. their, their tiny baby, um, that is, um, that uh, you can reap a dividend that you know, potentially lasts 80 years. What else can women, so we talked about stopping smoking, are there other ways that we could prevent preterm births? Uh, well, certainly when we identify women at, at increased risk, mm. uh, then there are certain interventions that we should be looking at. So um, there's a lot of women um, who are invited to uh, be referred by their GP to the preterm birth prevention clinic at King Edward. Mm. The reality is that um, the private obstetricians can um, delivering this hospital can do everything that can be done at King Edward. So the various things that we do that um, that might be involved in reducing the rate of preterm birth or reducing the risk of in of late miscarriage uh, to consider the pros and cons of um, collecting a vaginal swab, mm -hmm. which will potentially guide the use of probiotics, guide the use of antibiotics, um, whether or not we should be measuring the um, the cervix during ultrasound scans in the first half of the pregnancy. And whether or not we should be prescribing a hormone called progesterone. Um, so, again, what, what we really need is is clearer evidence so we can refine our protocols. Mm. But they are measures that that uh, have been used and continue to be used to reduce the rate of um, of recurrent preterm birth in women who have had a previous preterm birth, or maybe to prevent a first preterm birth uh, in in women who. Are, uh, shown to have risk factors for prematurity. And why does the hormone progesterone make such a difference? Well, we probably don't really know the answer to the question. Yeah. We just we we know that it works. Works. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And sometimes in medicine, yeah. it's just clinical experience that it, you know that it works, and so you have to use what you can. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So <laughs> so progesterone is the dominant hormone of normal pregnancy. Um, the placenta takes over production of progesterone af after ten weeks, and uh, uh, but what we know is that in certain circumstances. Prescription of of natural vaginal progesterone, so something that's chemically identical that's made in the body, mm. uh, reduces the rate of of preterm birth in women who have 
shortening of the uterine cervix, uh, mm. um, uh, and there are many of other circumstances in which we safely use progesterone. So it's a, it's commonly a part of IVF protocols. We use it to reduce the risk of recurrent miscarriage. Um, so we know it's very safe. Mm. Um, it's relatively inexpensive, um, and inserting a pessary or a tablet vaginally is acceptable to the majority of women uh, when the risk benefit is explained to them. The, one of the, uh, the 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 first tranche, if you like, of the mm. Western Australian preterm birth prevention. Initiative was to 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 um, roll out the idea that every single woman should have her cervix measured at 19 weeks, and then when it, when it was identified as being short, they were either re- referred for a higher level of care or they were and or they were prescribed progesterone, and that mm. and that works. That has reduced the rate of preterm birth in, in Western Australia. So there are things that we can do now. The the yeah. preterm birth prevention study is expanding on that knowledge so that we can identify other groups of women that we can help in a slightly different way. Oh, that sounds great. And then what advice then would you give to people that might feel that they've listened and they think, oh, I could be at risk of giving birth preterm. Would they go and speak to their GP or their obstetrician and ask or they would have that discussed with them? Yeah, well, they could talk to talk to the obstetrician. They can yeah. say they could they could ask the question. You know, yeah, they could say that I listen to this podcast and I'm interested in this. They could they could reflect on a personal experience of a friend or or loved one who's experienced the agony of premature birth, even if it turned out okay for them. Yeah, uh, and um, uh, so we're we're you know, we're looking to expand recruitment of. Um, uh, in, into this study, uh, it is uh, it, it's it's so elegantly, beautifully, and simply designed. It's mm. it's not onerous on the study participants, and uh, um, uh, and I know from personal experience the 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 good feeling that that mm. uh, pregnant women get, or for that matter, any any human beings get when they feel as if they're contributing to to um, high level medical research. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and, and even in, uh, being enrolled in the study, they might even benefit even in that pregnancy. And they get lots of care when they're in a trial, lots of people checking on them and. Oh, absolutely. We've got a fabulous team of yeah. research midwives, um, um, based at, at King Edward who, who, who visit the patients, um, yeah. uh, in, uh, the obstetrician's rooms and make the, um, make their participation in the study as seamless as possible. Yeah. And then, so probiotics is sounding like could be continue to you know everyone talks about probiotics so should all pregnant women be on probiotics not just for preterm but are there benefits to probiotics that you know are good for us to be on even if you're not at risk of of giving birth preterm maybe uh, yeah, yeah. so so there's i mean there there's there is no question that a healthy well balanced diet contains prebiotic foods and contains natural probiotics that uh, that are good for your health and whether mm. that's whether we're talking if if myself talking as a gynecologist i'm talking about vaginal health or whether mm. we're talking about about gut health um uh, now the, the the truth is there's only a small number of uh, commercially available supplements and uh, yeah the manufacturer of those supplements will tell you that theirs is is the best the bacterium which dominates the healthy vagina is is um, are lactobacilli, mm-hmm. and one of the um, safest sources of those is to consume natural yogurt. So natural yogurt is full of calcium, it's full of protein, it's full of natural probiotics. So that's the one I would recommend. So get first. a good quality yogurt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> With now, all these healthy yeah. bacteria in it. Correct. Now, now in this study, we, we are we are looking at a very specific probiotic yes. it's another type of lactobacillus um and we're going to see whether that one works um yeah uh, but i think that um you know a healthy well-balanced diet. diet's important yeah. um 
appropriate stewardship of antibiotics. You know, again, it's um, it's perhaps not it's not for patients to question a doctor's decision to prescribe antibiotics, but but you know. All, all too often, we have a situation in the community where it's the patient pushing for antibiotics mm. um, um, when, when they're being get, getting given accurate advice by a GP or another specialist that, mm. uh, uh, that perhaps they should ride out the viral infection, etc. So, so proper use of antibiotics is is part of the key, um, and there's no question that some women will need some of the. The, some of the commercially available supplements that you buy from a pharmacy or a health food shop. Yeah. So just to end, what are some key messages that we should all remember and take away from learning about preterm birth? And, I mean, I'll make sure that all the links are in the uh, interview regarding the study, just in case we've got people that listen and want to get it themselves involved and, and take that information to their specialists to have a chat to them about it. Mm. But sort of some key messages that you think are really important for us to remember. Hmm. Well, I, well, I suppose the first thing to say is I'm you know, very excited to be and very proud to be a principal investigator in this study. It's, mm. um, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to work with some of the, the, you know, the top minds in the whole country who are here in Perth researching this extremely important area of child health and, and, and women's health. Um, um, secondly, I, th I think that yeah, in, in an ideal world, every pregnancy would be planned and, mm. and women as part of their pre-pregnancy planning would be looking at optimising their, their general health. Um, and certainly if women are conscious of risk factors for preterm birth, that's the, uh, that should be discussed with, with their obstetrician. And again, I, I, again, that's yet another one of the benefits that uh, uh, the private patients um, yeah, delivering this hospital have. They see a specialist obstetrician in the first trimester and risk factors for complications like preterm birth are discussed and acted on. And they're discussed very early. This is this is the great benefit of of mm. the of the early visit. Uh, you know, women who I've said that it's that it's beneficial to plan your pregnancies. Um, that's not always the case. Mm. Um, but women who um, have uh, their first visit at eight to twelve weeks, there's an opportunity to address certain risk factors. Uh, maybe preterm birth prevention is one of them. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being interviewed today, making the time. We've been busy delivering babies today, so I appreciate your time, but also hearing about this landmark study that really could change women's lives and families' lives for a long time. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. A big thank you to Dr Gannon for sharing his knowledge with us today on Meditalk. And to learn more about Dr Gannon and St John of God Hospital Subiaco, visit sgog.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.